when you think about a digital bank, the last thing that you would think about is offering them a checkbook. But we realize that, look, small businesses are busy. They're not in the banking business to go completely transform their workflows. We want to meet them halfway. We want to help them be more efficient and improve their processes where possible. But at the same time, where things work for them today, we want to support them, right? And so that's a great example of our mindset. Welcome to the SMB Tech Innovators Podcast, powered by Gusto. On this show, we explore the intersection of fintech, vertical SaaS, and how software combats the rising complexity of running a business. Our goal is to share stories, advice, and best practices from the leaders and investors behind today's cutting-edge platforms. Here's your host, Shamrat Niyogi. On this episode of the SMB Tech Innovators Podcast, my guest is Herman Mann, Chief Product Officer of Blueline. Herman leads the product and design team and previously led engineering and product teams at Microsoft, and most recently was at Xero, where he led the division for People Products, America Strategy, and BD Teams. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Samrat. So Herman, I know we've been chatting for quite some time. You know, I've always seen BPs of products. I've seen all different types of role names, but what is chief product officer? It seems like this new title that is definitely emerging. Yeah. So the chief product officer is a person that is really responsible for product strategy and product execution at a company. The person typically reports to the CEO and thinks all things related to user experience to backend functionality, to making sure that there's a delightful experience for their customers or partners, whoever they are serving as part of their business. Got it. Got it. You joined Blueline. When did you join Blueline? I joined Blueline in 2019. I actually met Ayal in 2018 at Money 2020, and he was looking for a chief product officer. There wasn't one at the company before. This was a new role that the company was looking for. And so I spent some time with him where we were talking about what he was looking for specifically, what he envisioned that role to be. And I got really enthralled really with the mission of Bluevine. So Bluevine is really about serving the main street small business. It's not the small business that happens to be Andrews and Horowitz funded or Sequoia funded. It is the contractor that worked on my remodel. It is my architect that partnered with him to get this done. Those are the main street small businesses that we're talking about. And Bluevine had this mission to really go serve them. And my time at Zero basically taught me that small businesses are vastly, vastly underserved. It's true across banking. It's true across software. It's true across everything. And the fact that here this company, Bluevine, was out there to do the unthinkable in terms of what others had neglected it really resonated with me and I wanted to be a part of that core mission. And so I joined in 2019 after talking to him in 2018. The funny thing about this is I was there for zero and my BD team was actually having a meeting with his BD team the day after. And so we had to play it pretty coy during that meeting. You know, sometimes the best conversations kind of happen that way. And by the way, other than doing deals, it definitely feels like a place of just meeting people and, and opportunities kind of happening as a result. I'd love for you to tell us what is Bluevine from your words? Like, what do you all do? I know you got there because you're excited about the mission. What is Bluevine all about? 
Yeah. So Blue Line, we want to be the financial hub for small businesses. We want to provide the financial services and everything that the small business actually needs. And so that goes from things like checking accounts all the way through to lending products. If you think about the market that exists today around financial services for these small businesses, they often get overlooked. The real solution that exists out there is for them to go to a bank. And when they go into a bank, what they quickly realize is the banker is trying to make them fit in one mold or another. Are they a retail customer, meaning are they a consumer customer, or are they actually a commercial customer of which is more enterprise? And the reality is, is they're neither. And so these small businesses just don't get the services that they need, either through customer support at its basic need, all the way through to the experiences around the digital experiences and the banking experiences that are tailored and customized for them. And that's what Blueline wants to do. We want to build that solution that is tailored for the Main Street small business. And we think that it is a major, major need serving America, and we believe that we are poised to do that well. Given what you just shared, did Blueline always have this vision? I mean, when I think about Blueline and have been following Blueline for a company for the last few years, the first thing people think about is lending. But it, it clearly, the aspiration of the company has clearly changed. When you were chatting with the CEO a few years ago, was that the vision always? Yeah. So that was always the vision. So the vision of Bluevine was always to be that financial hub for the small business. Bluevine started with lending first, to be very clear. And it started after the Great Recession, 2008, 2009. Coming out of it, banks weren't lending to small businesses because of volatility. And so that's where the crop of fintech lenders came to be because there was a nascent need. And so Bluevine realized that that opportunity was there and took advantage of that to provide services for these small businesses. But its goal always was to be a financial center and a financial hub. And the only way to do that is through a banking checking relationship. Lending relationships are much more transactional. The small business will come to you when they want growth capital or they need capital in general. But with a banking, a checking product, we had opportunity to really be at the center of the need for the small business. And so that was always in our wheelhouse what we wanted to do. And I noticed I was uh, having followed you all for some quite some time. There's been some changes happening at Blue Line. I saw you all went through a whole new brand identity, which I'm always curious about, like why do companies do that? And sounds like you also launched a, a banking product, I think it was like last year. Tell us about, about this new brand identity and you know, it seems like at 10 years, you're doing lending or so, and then you decided to go and do bad banking and check and tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. For where we were, you know, I'll talk about the branding and then we'll talk about the banking product and, and where we were. But, you know, at a very high level, our eye on the prize was really to build this holistic solution. And so what we were doing was making sure that we can hone and build our models for lending and be very effective at that. Don't forget also that during that time, we lost two years, two and a half years due to COVID, where many of the things like the banking product that we had and we launched actually right before COVID hit, we had to go hit pause on just because it wasn't a very natural time to continue to grow back business. And so we lost two and a half years as part of that, but we were able to go serve those small businesses through pivots that we did around PPP and so forth. 
just putting that as context and background behind this. Let me start with the branding because we're really excited about the branding. You know, we we really wanted to transform our brand in a way that reflects our purpose and our growth and to modernize it around what it is today. Bluevine is a very innovative brand. So we created a new logo, a symbol, a color palette, and typeface to reflect kind of that modern technology forward empathetic approach that we take to small businesses. And so we're really proud that we did this. And I think that's a shining light on what Bluevine stands for moving forward. It, it's a better representative of where we are now and where we're going, as opposed to, you know, the old brand was where we were. That being said, you know, around the banking product, our goal here was to really build something that our small businesses would love, right? We see that there's, there's that opportunity, as I talked about earlier, with the major banks not playing in this rule. And an example here is with U.S. banks, right? They had recently announced that they were building a forecasting dashboard for cash flow within their portal. And the reality is, is this has been done. It's an example of big banks trying to play catch up with the fintech providers so that they could build something that, that is more competitive, but they're, they're falling short. And so our banking product, I'd mentioned we launched it before the pandemic. We hit pause there, but we continued to accelerate the capabilities as we headed out of the pandemic. And we realized that these small businesses that were served with from Bluevine during the pandemic really needed now a great checking experience. And so through that, we continued to grow that relationship and an onboard more and more customers. Talk about some of the unique things that you're doing specifically with some of the features you all have that now your customers have access to because banking is just so broad and I know checking and saving is so broad. Can you elaborate yeah. on some of the innovative things you've been doing over the last few years? Yeah, I'd love to do that. So in addition to the standard capabilities that you'd expect of a checking account, and obviously we have that, we have a great responsive web app along with a mobile app that is 4.6 rated in the app store. So we, we pride ourselves around experiences and what we build. We obviously have money movement and across all rails from ACH checks and wires through to actually offering checkbooks to our small businesses, which is really unique, right? When you think about a digital bank, the last thing that you would think about is offering them a checkbook. But we realize that, look, small businesses are busy. They're not in the banking business to go completely transform their workflows. We want to meet them halfway. We want to help them be more efficient and improve their processes where possible. But at the same time, where things work for them today, we want to support them, right? And so that's a great example of our mindset. We have other things like sub-accounts as an example. So you have your main account and you can have five sub-accounts that you can go stash away money. And that enables profit-first accounting, right? A very common and a very popular methodology around small business mindset. So it's things like that that we've included as part of our base checking account here. Really no fees across the board. We just want to service our small businesses. And then as we think about how do we innovate, how do we provide an uh, even more unique experience, we think about things like account access. So we enable customers to grant authorized users, other owners of the business, co-owners, employees, accountants, access to their Blueline business checking account and their line of credit accounts. It's really about how do we bring the small businesses team onto Blueline to support them and what they need. The other thing we're doing is really 
begging for accountants, right? Samrat, you know how important accountants are on the payroll side, equally as important for banking. And it's incredible that actually accountants don't have a solution that makes them more efficient for the tens and hundreds of clients that they serve. It's mind boggling that no one has done that. And, and we believe, and especially my time at Zero has taught me that that's super critical and super important. So we built an accountant channel here where we are building the best workflows for these accountants and they're going to have their own secure login. They don't need to share logins amongst people with their clients or, or with people in their firm. The firm has their own login. They can actually go in there and create other rules within their firm to go manage clients. We have an accountant dashboard where there are things like the ability for them to download bank statements so they can reconcile at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter or so forth, right? All things related to bills and approvals are all there. So how do we make them more efficient? We do this by focusing on the accountant and building the accountant dashboard. Other things include like bills management. We've built things around bill pay and we've built things around payments where we've created an inbox that customers can forward all their bills and things to so that bills can be created and tracked and so forth. We built bill approvals within our portal that allows a contributor of a clerk, if you will, of that small business or even a bookkeeper of that small business to upload bills into the portal and to get approval and to create ad hoc approval as part of that to meet the business need. And lastly, when we think about this, we think about what makes sense for the small business. And and what I mean by this is, I don't know if you know this, but we actually offered like a 2% APY on our checking account, right? This is really unheard of in the industry. Typically, there's a savings account and there's a checking account, as you had started off mentioning. We actually combine both because we don't believe that the small business needs to think about moving money between them to earn interest. Why not let them just earn interest in that account? And so that's what we've done there around how we think about the product and, and creating something that really works for the small business. Just two things. One is everyone defines small business differently. And you know we've all seen Brex, quote unquote, get out of the small and medium-sized business, but they're still serving like startups, which one can define as a small and medium-sized business. But like, how do you all define what is an SMB? It sounds like you're serving the mass market, but maybe you all define it differently. Yeah. So we are serving the mass market. We're serving the smallest segment of the SMB. We aren't serving the larger ones. I think the best way to think about this is when you're at about 5 million in revenue and above, you start getting an actual banker at a bank. They start thinking about you as, all right, you're going to grow beyond. So the question is, is for the 5 million and below, how do we serve them efficiently and effectively? And I think it's a really hard problem to go solve in general. I think you've seen a lot of players try to exit the space because they can't think through the unit economics and and making it all work. But at Bluevine, you know, we're very focused on the segment for for two reasons. Number one, our founder, Ayal, his dad was a small business owner. He was a physical therapist. And so I believe his dad was was pulling about one million a year of revenue and just couldn't get the banking solutions that he needed. And so he's very passionate and very dedicated around that segment. So that's number one. And number two is We've combined a combination of technology and processes that allow us to actually scale. 
to allow us to actually acquire, to allow us to actually do the automated KYB and KYC in a regulated way, such that the unit economics actually work here. And we're excited because no one has actually done this for the segment before. And we're thinking, we, we believe we're going to make a huge impact to the segment. So, you know, I, uh, just to kind of step in a little bit, like it feels to me that there is another neobank kind of like coming out every like three or six months. I mean, we see, definitely see it on the consumer side. We know that there's other, you know, we mentioned Brex really uh, for a hot second here. Like what's happening here? I mean, how do you all see the fact that there's this another emerging, you know, with banking as a service coming out and there's all these other players that are making it easier to offer banking products. How do you think about the fact that there's emerging players coming out? You know, I'm not going to say left or right. It's, as you stated, it's pretty hard, but it seems like it's easier to offer banking products. Yeah, I think it's definitely easier to offer banking products, but it's equally as hard as it was yesterday to do them right. And I want to make a very clear distinction there. I think as we talk about embedded banking and as we talk about BAS in general, Yes, it's created a layer where it's really easy for these startups to essentially become fintechs, but it's extremely hard for them to do right. And what I mean by that is when you look at the regulation requirements, as you look at the compliance requirements, a lot of these BAS providers actually don't provide that. And what that ends up being ultimately is the customer of that fintech startup that relied on BAS ends up paying the price. Because ultimately, what ends up happening is the regulators come in, they constrain all the money movement, they constrain the ability for that fintech to do anything for that customer, and that's where they pay that price. So I think there is a startup mentality around banking. Bass certainly has enabled that to occur. But I think there also is, people have to keep in mind that, look, it's important to not only start something, but to finish something. And I think in 2023, especially with the macro environment and the regulatory environment, there's going to be a lot of consolidation, M&A, and there's just going to be a lot of weeding out of those solutions that popped up that maybe weren't really as intended as customers had thought. I'm curious, there is this surgence of vertically integrated software companies that are now saying, oh, because of the BAS providers, I can offer banking versus going, so you could go to a, to a traditional bank, FI, you can go to Chase, you can go to a, a modern solution like yourself. You can also say there is these vertically integrated. What's your take on the notion that there is these vertically integrated solutions that are also exploring banking as a possible solution for their customers? And how does a small business sort of decide let me go to Bluevine versus another sort of vertically integrated solution. Yeah, really good question. I think it really depends on what that small business is looking for, right? I think the vertically integrated solution may work if it's fully integrated at the end of the day with that vertical offering that that provider is, is doing. And what I mean by that is, look, if I'm a PAW system and I need a merchant account, it makes sense that it's tied together there around that slipper of a solution. But when you start looking beyond that and you start like, look, I need a general checking account that serves all purposes for incoming and outgoing wires, international payments, and so forth, does it make sense to actually go bet your marbles and place them all in on the service provider that only does POS for you today? 
right? And so that's where my conjecture is it doesn't make sense. And to me, what's important here is that the emergence of BAS has allowed vertical providers to go do this. We know that in general, if you play it across time since banking was started, the horizontal play on banking and the checking account need is there, right? Like it, it is proven. The problem that exists today is the major banks just can't innovate to serve their customers in a way that they need to be served in 2022 heading into 2023. And so the opportunity here really is these challenger banks to create a true holistic solution that is end-to-end that considers all the back office requirements for regulatory concerns all the way through to the front-end experiences that are tailored to their customer segment. That opportunity must exist and and must be done well. And that's where Bluevine is playing. Now, let me give you an example where I think like the vertical is interesting, but it kind of highlights where it doesn't necessarily work end-to-end. Look, I, I was at zero, so I can make fun of QuickBooks. Okay. QuickBooks has they launched their checking account. It really doesn't do much at the end of the day. It's neither here nor there. Yes, they launched it. Great. But like, again, and it gets back to what I said earlier. It's not what you start. It's what you finish, right? And they're so far from the finish line and meeting the customer where they need to be met. And so that's an example of, of one where it's easy to get in, but it's really hard to do right. And we believe at Bluevine that you know we're very focused on doing that right. And so therefore, we think we'll, we'll ultimately have a very big competitive advantage. I know that you all started with lending, as you shared, and then Erno venturing off into a broader set of financial services. It's interesting now that we're seeing a lot of companies that are starting with checking and banking. And now with the innovation that's happening, embedded lending, we're seeing companies now offer lending. And so What's happening here? Because I mean, in 2020, it felt like embedded lending was like the big thing that is happening. Last year might have been vast, but now it's a lot of embedded lending. Like you all have been doing this for a decade plus. You have deep expertise on this. What's your take on this emerging embedded lending market? Is there a market here? And or what's your take being experts in the space? Great question. You know, it really talks to the point that when you think about banking holistically, what do you really think about, right? Like ultimately it's about deposits and it's about access to capital are the two things. I think you're seeing a lot of the challenger banks realize that. And so where they started and where they're ending, everybody's trying to end in the same spot. We believe that we're uniquely qualified and uniquely positioned here because of the fact that we started in lending first. And lending is very difficult, and I'll go into the embedded lending products, which I think have a parallel to embedded banking and what I was just talking about. That's my view anyway. With lending, it is extremely difficult to do effectively. You need to, one, have the right DNA to control fraud and losses, not eliminate, but just control. So you have to have the DNA there to lose money to actually grow your model. Number two is you need an immense amount of data to be able to go do this effectively. Small businesses in general are very different. A $100,000 retail customer is very different than a professional service, 100,000 professional service customer. There is no FICO score around small businesses. Though, how do you create a rating system for small businesses that don't exist, right? You need data to be able to go do that. 
And the third thing I'd say is not only do you need data, but you need data over time. Data that you collect during a boom is very different than data you collect during a bust, right? And one of the things that everybody was really worried about during COVID was the crop of new lenders that came up, Blue Line included, came post the Great Recession, never went through a recession ever before. So how would our models actually perform when COVID hit? And we're proud to say that we performed extremely well when COVID hit, but you also saw other providers that couldn't perform as well and are in trouble, got sold to others at pennies on the dollar and and other merged with with larger financial institutions, right? And so I think it's really important to distinguish that in order to do lending, you have to be really deep and do it right. Let me now go into, I think, part of the question, which was what you're asking on embedded lending. Me personally, I think where it really was popularized was the consumer BNPL. Like that was basically where most of this was going. Merchants were finding a way to attract new customers that otherwise wouldn't be able to make the purchase. They couldn't get credit cards. So what were their options, right? And so BNPL was essentially born. In 2023, like due to the macro environment, I think there's going to be reckoning. Merchants will evolve. Fraud responsibilities will evolve. And I think anyone who really doesn't own the experience end-to-end from underwriting through to servicing, through to providing a cohesive experience for the customer will suffer. The real question is, is can you outsource lending to a third party? And you know, my take is it's extremely hard to do well, obviously easy to do on the happy path in the simple case, but much harder when you are trying to do it well at scale. Let me give you an example. When a consumer can't make payments, the lending provider underneath will change their models on that consumer, which then means that for the merchant, the same consumer that looked identical to begin with may end up getting different results. They don't control that. The lending provider controls that. So as a merchant, you've now created a really subpar experience to these consumers. You made expectations. You may be marketed to these consumers only to find that you actually can't close the loop there. And so for me, the most important thing is really that full stack experience. And I believe that providers that actually do this end to end are the ones that ultimately benefit and come out ahead. Just to double click into that, I mean, I saw MindBody launch MindBody Capital. I mean, the, the value proposition for the vertically integrated software companies that are serving very specific markets, specifically in, in Main Street businesses, seems really strong. So it seems very attractive. Like, let me go offer XYZ industry capital because that industry needs cash flow to buy products or they're trying to go from, given what we experienced from from PPP. So it seems like there's a lot of interest from the vertical SaaS companies to adopt embedded lending solutions. If we have listeners out there that are deciding between partnering with BlueVine directly versus engaging in building its own embedded lending product, what would you say to them? I would actually say that, so to be clear, not all embedded lending is is bad, is what I'm saying. Embedded lending is good when you actually have full alignment contractually, as well as just the North Star alignment of where you're going with your partner. That is good. So if MindBody has that deep integration, really what I'm talking about is a full end-to-end connect here. Where it's problematic is 
when you basically outsource your lending to the embedded lending provider, which is to say, hey, I just need you to provide capital for this. Let's not worry about the details because it's the details at the end of the day that actually matter. So for those that actually want to provide an embedded lending solution, I think it is the one to be very clear, make sure that if they're going to go work with that embedded lending solution, get very clear who's doing the KYC, KYB, who's doing the fraud checks, right? Who's accountable for fraud capital-wise whenever that does happen? Make that very clear. And if you can establish a relationship there, and if you can establish alignment there, then it may not necessarily be a bad thing. Where Bluevine, I think, has the advantages is when you look at Bluevine and you want to find a provider that has weathered the storm through cycles, Bluevine obviously is the one. And when you think about different capital products, and we're about to launch more, you know, Bluevine perhaps may come out ahead there in the sense of just choice. Well, for the listeners out there, I mean, I think there's a lot of innovation happening. I think that's good for SMBs out there. I want to switch gears and just talk about how you operate as a product leader who is thinking about this market. We kind of highlight this a little bit about SMBs and segmenting the different type of SMBs. Bluevine obviously serves all different types of companies, especially in the less than 5 million revenue line. But there's so many nuances to, you know, you talked about your founder and the type of business that his father had, but it cannot be any different than as someone who is running a landscaping company, how do you factor, how do you use customer segmentation to drive roadmap priorities? How do you actually think about it? Or is that really hard to do given that it's just so nuanced there? Because you are a horizontal platform. You're serving different types of industries. I know you have this 5 million revenue aligned. Like, tell me more about how you make those product choices. Yeah, Absolutely. It starts with really, at the end of the day, understanding your customer and their pattern matching many of the times. There is some commonality with the different customers and the micro small business segment of what they need. They need great money movement at the end of the day. The faster you can move their money and the longer they can hold on to their money, that's universally true, regardless of whether or not they're a contractor or they're a retail business. When you start looking at capabilities around bills and paying bills, the approval workflows are common. It might be that there's two layers or three layers, or it originates through an accountant, or it originates through a clerk, but the workflows are very common. And so it starts with us with really understanding what the customer wants. And that goes through qualitative interviews that we do with with customers, surveys that we do with prospects. And to be very clear, we spend so much time with customers, both past and present, those that have churned from Bluevine, we equally want to hear from them. What were we insufficient with? So we do spend our time there and we get a very, very clear view across that. The other thing that we do is also we use mixed panel, right? And the quantitative nature of just knowing what the behavior is. And so a combination of everything kind of helps us inform what are the things that we want to do. And lastly, I'll say that obviously, you know, as chief product officer, I feel convicted on certain things that we're going to go build. That conviction, again, will be tested with customers before we build sometimes, right? Or sometimes if it's small enough, we just launch it and then we see how it performs. I'd be stupid to ignore what else the market is also doing. Our competitors in the challenger space, our incumbents, what are they doing? Better understanding that, but then also understanding industry trends as well. 
like we've seen social influence so much more around behavior and how people behave. Social basically helped push forward the whole Ubers of the world around the gig economy. So I'm constantly looking at what are the macro trends that are happening as well to inform potentially where banking might actually go. When you built your banking and checking products, did you all build it from scratch or did you all decide to work with one of the various SaaS providers? How did you all make that decision? <laughs> Great question. We didn't work with a SaaS provider. So we worked with a sponsor bank and then within there, there's a processor that we work with. And that processor basically is an API into a sponsor bank. But we are responsible for all the KYD, KYC, AML, fraud checks, everything. And that's a difference, by the way, between a BAS provider and what we do. A BAS provider says, don't worry about the compliance. We'll take care of it for you. But BAS providers don't really do it because they don't really, they, they, they don't really understand the depth of what may happen for that segment. There's no side skirting the work that needs to happen. If you're going to provide checking accounts or lending, you really need to understand those customers that you onboard onto your platform from a regulatory perspective all the way up. And so what Bluevine did was when we worked with our sponsor bank and we're on Coastal, we chose a partner that we felt that we would be aligned on from a STIRV perspective. And then we used a processor that we felt comfortable with around integrating to go get access to the ledger and to do money movement on Coastal's bank accounts. I'm curious, there's a lot of companies, founders, chief product officers, heads of product that kind of making that decision, right? They're deciding, do they work with a sponsor bank? Do they go all in build it themselves? Do they work with the fast provider? Lots of companies are sort of thinking about building products and services. Whether they should or not, that's a separate question. And what's your advice to these companies that are going on that journey and saying, I'm ready should I offer banking solutions? Should I be offering financial products? And then should I be going at it alone with a sponsor bank and with a processor or should I be using a, a BAS provider? Like, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, my advice for them is, look, if this bank account experience is, is core to what you're trying to do, then you got to build it right, right? It's part of the definition of your company and who you are. And there's really no quick win is, is ultimately that. And yes, you can start something maybe with bands, but it's not going to be the solution that takes you to the promised land, so to speak. Compliance and regulation, just it cannot take a backseat to innovation. It just can't. If anything, I would say that compliance and regulation can help speed that up if you do it right, because the regulators aren't on you. And so you really need to know that. And so that, that whole mindset around move fast and break things around the social era while it somewhat applies to banking, the major difference is there are regulatory guardrails on banking that you just can't side skirt. So my advice to them is spend the time to properly understand the regulatory and compliance requirements, the frameworks that you need to do. Implement those, implement the controls in your own company, get the right expertise, staff appropriately, and develop a relationship. If it is with a BAS provider, develop the relationship and get very clear on where they stop and where you start. But you, as the company that wants to do the embedding, must be responsible to fully understand that you cannot outsource that. 
if you want to be successful. It just sounds so easy, though. I feel like a lot of, you know, I'm not going to go to the social era, but it does sound like, oh, I can just plug this thing in and I'm ready to go. What I'm hearing from you is it's going to come back to you. How do you kind of get through that? You know, because by the way, we see this payroll is highly regulated in space. So we're, we're very, yeah. you know, with the things you're chatting about, but the BAS providers are all coming and saying, hey, we got you covered. Yeah, I think it's, then it's really asking the five, you know, go deeper, the five whys, so to speak. Why do you have us covered? Why do you think this won't be a concern? And just go dig deeper in there and see what they actually do. Again, the reality is, is if I were to make a prediction in 2023, I believe regulation is going to start coming for fintechs. Now, I think as a fintech, it's an exciting time because the regulators are finally recognizing us as a real entity that is out for change. And I think the DNA that we have around working with regulators and around pushing the envelope here to to modernize how they think about regulation in 2023 is a very positive thing. I think it's something that because the banks have somewhat had a moat on, they've not had to deal with this. So I think it's a very positive conversation. But look, regulation will be a very important thing as we head into the new year next year. And I think it's super critical for these these companies that want to embed banking into their product to really understand and do that and to really question and challenge the BAS provider, do they really provide that for them and not just take it at, at face value? You know, the last thing I'll say is for the listeners out there that that have, um, you know, built products uh, multiple times before, think about the number of times Somrat, right, Royer, we're like, you know what, this product works in this country, let's now go launch it in country two and country three. It's so easy to go launch in country two and three, but if you're not committed to country two and three, what ends up happening? You pull out of country two and three because you're looking for a quick way. And I believe in embedded banking, it's a very similar thing. If you're not in there to actually win it and you're just in there for the quick buck, you're going to end up pulling out of these things just like history has shown and other patterns have shown. Well, Herman, I, uh, I've learned so much about lending, bass. I've learned about how you all build products. I really enjoyed our conversation today. I'm sure that we have listeners that are going to want to reach out to Bluevine, perhaps even reach out to you, maybe to even try to, to hire you just like you experienced at Mind 2020. If they want to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you? Are you on social media, email address? What's the best way to reach you? Yeah, I am. I am. I'm on Twitter. So uh, reach out to me at Herman underscore man, M-A-N. So H-E-R-M-A-N or short man. Uh, also on LinkedIn. So Herman J. Man, all one word. J for John in between. So do that. Awesome. Well, that's all we have time today. For everyone that's listening, we have links to any resources to learn more about Blue Line and the great services that they offer to small and medium-sized businesses. Thanks again for listening and look out for the next episode. Thank you for listening to the SMB Tech Innovators Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode of the SMB Tech Innovators Podcast is brought to you by Gusto Embedded. Gusto has spent a decade building and testing its payroll, tax filing, and compliance infrastructure, which is available as a robust set of APIs so you can develop custom-tailored payroll solutions. For more information, go to embedded.gusto.com.